Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is your host, Robbie Martin. And your host, Abby Martin. And we'd just like to remind people out there listening um, that if you donate $40 or more, you receive a piece of uh, free artwork um, from abbymartin.org and a record or a CD of your choice from recordlabelrecords.org, which is the record label that I run. Today, um, I was thinking it would be a good day to celebrate um, a new holiday. Uh, and it's not today specifically, but for the last few weeks, you know, it's a window of time in the year of 2011, late 2011, where for the first time in my lifetime, the term police state has now reached mainstream status. It's no longer a term used by people on the fringes, you know, people who are so-called ultra leftists or conspiracy theorists. It is now a term you hear echoed all over the place. I see it, you know, from every day on Facebook, I see at least five people using the term police state. I hear it on the mainstream media. You know, you don't get shot down anymore if you're a talking head and you use this term. And uh, that's something to celebrate. So everybody out there, um, mark this on your calendars. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Even just a year ago, I remember I wrote an article about the, the impending police state and, um, you know, and it seemed like it just seems so abstract for people who haven't, who are just not really engaged on a day-to-day basis. And they're just like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, stop complaining. Do you think you don't have freedoms here? Like, go to fucking China. And you're like, uh, uh, whatever. But yeah, I mean, the police state now, middle-class America, um, you know, police brutality, it's not just for poor neighborhoods anymore. It's all across the country. People are seeing the police state firsthand um, and police abuse and brutality on students, um, you know, I, I'm I'm excited about this because it's disgusting on one on one hand, and I really wish the cops weren't uh, taking these outrageous methods of crowd control to brutalize hundreds and thousands of people who are doing nothing but sitting peacefully or just standing peacefully. But on the other hand, I think it's great because, like you said, I mean, people are understanding the the reality that we're living in. Yes, and uh, <laughs> yes. Glenn Greenwald has been really into the Occupy Wall Street movement, and uh, he's been writing about it a lot. And yes, we're still obsessed with him. We follow his blog every day, pretty much. And he had a a great quote on his last article, um, which was that someone who sits at home and never protests or effectively challenges power factions will not realize that their rights of speech and assembly have been effectively eroded because they never seek to exercise those rights. It's only when we see steadfast, courageous resistance from the likes of these UC Davis students is this erosion or rights manifest. So, yeah, I think that what's happening now that's different from some of the protest movements that were really in full swing kind of before we were old enough to understand what's going on or even born, um, the reason... You know, I mean, people didn't see a lot of that brutality back then. I mean, the news people, everybody didn't have cell phone cameras back then. I guess what I'm saying. So, you know, you hear people chanting the whole world is watching while these police are pepper spraying people. Well, it's literally true. I mean, the whole world can now see that this is happening in the United States and it's a frequent occurrence and it's not an aberration of any kind. And I think that's one thing that was hard for people really to see before when you would just watch American police brutality videos because they would seem so disconnected from each other and so, you know, 
you know, just fleeting. Like you didn't really, now it's very easy to see that this is a trend. This has been a trend for a long time. And now we're just seeing it and, you know, fully exploited by the powers that be this, this hammer of the, of riot police. Yeah. And it's like one day after the next, I mean, it seems like this is just, and it, and it, it does it does bear a federal footprint. I mean, you cannot look at all of these militarized actions from local police forces and not think um, that there's some sort of federal facilitation or direction. All of our local platoons of police have been militarized, and it's like small armies now just coming at peaceful protesters. And I don't know if people realize this, but the freedom of the press is protected in the First Amendment. Um, my friend Scott was just filming a cop and got shot with a rubber bullet literally just for filming him and he even asked is this okay is this okay and then the cop shot him with a rubber bullet like basically at point blank range in the leg yeah and it sounds i mean for people listening at home who you know might be a little bit skeptical of this kind of stuff happening in the united states i mean we we are not exaggerating even 1.01 percentage i mean this is this is literally what happened i mean if you watch the video he asked the cops is this okay he says it loudly yeah. and clearly, and then he gets shot. What looks like in the groin with a rubber bullet, yeah. And it's it's horrifying. His his wound was like I mean he was incapacitated for like a week. He couldn't walk. I mean think about what a, a rubber bullet is like. Basically like a a piece of lead wrapped, and it hits you. Think about how much I mean. Is that what it is? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's not, he, it's, so it's not just like a little rubber ball. No, 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 no. Yeah, because he posted <laughs> oh all the stuff about, he was like, I had no idea what rubber bullets really were. Yeah, I guess when you get hit by one is the first time <laughs> you probably really want to, you were like, I wonder what that was that left but a giant welt on me. There's a reason why they don't call them non-lethal. They call them less lethal because they can kill you. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, these less lethal rounds when they shoot, you know, two-term Iraqi veteran Scott Olson, who was standing directly in front of the riot cops in Occupy Oakland, and they shot him in the head with a tear gas canister, and he he almost had brain damage. I mean, he he could have died. And then when people were go and trying to help him on the ground, they saw him fall, and there was a crowd of people that went and tried to help him, and the cops threw a smoke grenade right into the crowd of people, and it exploded. Um, so, you know... This is, it's pretty fucking scary. Cops are definitely singling us out and they're egregiously violating the First Amendment. Yeah, and a big, um, it's, it's pretty obvious that, that, um, after 9 11, the, the police forces around the United States have, uh, been given higher budgets to militarize themselves. Um, now that they've been taught by the federal government that, you know, a terrorist war could be lurking around the cor- you know the corner in your hometown, then it's like, to them, that's you know that feels normal, and it's like let's just flex all this stuff we have, you know, kind of like a gangster in the ghetto like flexing his like gold watch and his, you know, his ni- new Nikes and stuff. I mean, these guys want to flex this this new these new toys. It's the, they want to show them off, and on a very basic level. It's that's what's going on, and uh, you know, I mean, who who really knows how much federal involvement is happening? But I mean, I I do think that as this goes on, and as the Obama administration and the White House sit back and ignore it, and kind of you know make little tiny surface comments about it and try to twist it into their agenda, um, it, it becomes a little bit more suspicious to me of how much of this is being orchestrated beyond state lines 
Yeah, I I don't like the daily cost because they suck and they they <laughs> gatekeep. Marco, CIA. They agent. totally gatekeep. Yeah, and the guy who runs the daily cost actually was a openly working for the CIA. But anyway, one of the one of the writers for the daily cost his name is Joseph Weissenhall. And he said something really funny. He was just like, finally, all the anti-terror grants that were given out to local cops post 9-11 are being put to use. <laughs> it's just like the last 10 years we've been trying to tell people our constitution's being eviscerated. Our Bill of Rights is being shredded. Uh, we are losing our freedoms. They're targeting us, um, which is we the people. It's not about terrorism. It's about eviscerating the Bill of Rights and and you know, taking over under the guise of democracy, having a tyrannical police state. And now finally, like it's very obvious, you know, I mean, it just took this Occupy Wall Street thing to pick up steam to show that that is the reality now in America. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we talk a lot on the show about, you know, what, what we think is going to happen, you know, will people rise up, you know, against the establishment and whatnot. And I, and I, I think, you know, when you imagine it, when you try to project in the future, you try you think of this big event happening, this big breakdown of society. But I think you know what's happening now is just these these steps towards people waking up on a mass scale. And you know, we're ignoring a lot of a lot of this coverage about Occupy Wall Street is ignoring another movement that took place right when Obama you know got into office. It was really popular, which was the Tea Party movement. You know, if only we can somehow link those two movements together and get all those angry Republicans, you know, who loved George Bush but hated Obama to get them to see that, you know, Obama is continuing the George Bush policies. And I don't yeah. know. I, I just there just seems to be still a blind spot. Yeah, it's still the left-right shit that's infected everyone. I mean, even people in the Occupy Wall Street movement. Robbie and I were just talking about this. There was just another huge day of action uh on Saturday the 19th and you know we were out there and it was beautiful there were thousands of people taking over the streets once again just another typical day in Oakland police helicopters circling thousands taking over the whole downtown but we couldn't help but just be concerned about the lack of uh calling out federal officials and the lack of like what about occupying um just ideas like why don't we occupy the Obama headquarters which is less than a block away from Frank Agawa Plaza which is the main epicenter of of the camp here or just you know his re-election headquarters yeah, yeah the re-election headquarters and there's just a fear I guess of the bigger that this movement gets the more it's going to be attempted to be co-opted by the Democratic Party uh, move on is just con- constantly sponsoring videos about Occupy Wall Street um, it just is worrisome the more unions get involved the more I'm worried that we're not going to be calling out uh, the Democrats yeah. as part of the problem. And and in some ways, maybe making it completely nonpartisan is, you know, so-called nonpartisan is good. And when I use the term nonpartisan, I'm, I'm using it kind of in the way that people like Sean Hannity use it. I mean, because it's not partisan to go after federal officials who are like seemingly breaking the law to me. But, you know, when once you start going after them, you have to you have to go after ones that you're either Democrat or Republican because that's pretty much the only two that exist in our federal structure. So, yeah, it's 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 hard to tell if they're being careful about not going after these officials because they don't want to inject any so-called partisanship into it, or if there's actually a reluctance because the Democratic Party and them have some linkage to each other uh, that hasn't really come to a head yet. Yeah. Uh- 
one great example of this uh, kind of just this passive aggressive like, oh, I don't know. We hope Obama's on our side. This Shepard Ferry total sellout and art thief. Um, <laughs> his new poster is just the Obama poster with a V for Vendetta mask over Obama. And it says hope. And he has a button that says, we are the 99%. It says, Mr. President, we hope you're on our side. And then it has this long spiel about how I really think Obama could be an ally of Occupy Wall Street. We should really reach out to him and see if he can be an ally. First of all, Shepard Ferry, you're fucking naive. You really think someone can be an ally of the movement who was put in by banks, put bankers in to surround him in his cabinet, pays favors to banks, bails them out the behalf of the U.S. taxpayers, and he's also he's already received more money from the financial sector than any other candidate running in for the 2012 elections combined. How could he be an ally to Occupy Wall Street? <laughs> yeah, I think at that point, that kind of hope is a little bit uh, short-sighted. I mean, you know, it's been this long. Um, we've watched Wall Street get even more corrupt. We've watched zero prosecutions or charges brought to these people who were clearly involved in fraud um, on a mass scale, not just individuals. I mean, the only the only sacrificial lamb we saw from the whole Wall Street scandal was someone who basically did their own Ponzi scheme, mm-hmm. Bernie Madoff. And, you yeah. know, that's it. I mean, yeah. that's all we get. But we don't get anybody who actually, you know, we don't get anybody high up from Goldman Sachs or, you know, Bernie Mac or any, or is it Bernie Mac or what is it? Freddie? Yeah, yeah, Freddie, <laughs> Freddie May and Fannie Mac, or Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Bernie Mac is I the comedian. But it pissed me off because Michael Moore like retweeted this thing from Shepard Ferry, and I just like wrote to him. I was like, Michael, why are you so hard on on Clinton and Bush, but you're like so easy on this guy? He's a total fucking fraud. He's a fraud in a suit. Who, Michael Moore or no, Obama? Obama. <laughs> Obama is. I agree. I mean, I agree. I agree. But I think there's a lot of people out there who still are sensitive about, for some reason, there's there's people out there who are still reluctant, you know, who, who agree with pretty much everything we're saying right now, who yeah. are reluctant to criticize his character in the same way that George Bush was destroyed, you know? Like, they just, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. He still has some sort of shield protecting him. But what I think is interesting is that, you know, Chris Matthews, the weird... Uh, the host of Hardball. Yeah, you know, just the really bizarre acting. He did you see the thing he did recently where no. he talked about Obama and how like he hears weird, really weird stories like from like people in like the in Congress and stuff about how Obama is like very, very isolated. Like he does never ever goes like parties or any like White House. Here, I'll, <laughs> let's let's watch this clip wait, really wait, quick. Wait, really? <laughs> There's nothing to root for. What are we trying to do in this administration? Why does he want a second term? Would he tell us? What's he going to do in the second term? More of this? Is this it? Is this as good as it gets? Where are we going? Are we going to do something in the second term? He has yet to tell us. He has not said one thing about what he'd do in his second term. He never tells us what he's going to do with reforming our, our uh, health care systems, Medicare, Medicaid, how he's going to reform Social Security. Is he going to deal with long-term debt? How? Is he going to reform the tax system? How? Just tell us. Why are we in this fight with him? Just tell us, Commander, give us our orders and tell us where we're going. Give us the mission. And he hasn't done it. And I don't, and I think it's the people around him. Too many people around him. Little kids with propellers on their heads. 
They're all virtual. It, politics, the social networking, getting, I get these emails, you probably get them. I'm tired of getting them. Stop giving them to me. I want to meet people. <laughs> Their idea of running a campaign is a virtual universe of sending emails around to people. No, it's not. It's meetings with people. It's forging alliances. It's White House meetings and dinners parties that go on until midnight, and he should be sitting late at night now with, with senators and members of Congress and governors working together on how they're going to win this political fight that's coming. You, I don't have a sense that he's ever had a meeting. I hear stories that you will not believe. Not a single phone call since the last Tell election. They don't call. He never calls. That's the, that's the message. Members of Congress, I keep asking, when did you hear from him last? Silence. He doesn't like their company. You just that's offered a problem, up, by the way. So yeah, Drudge Report made a really big deal about this uh, this Chris Matthews clip, but looking at it from a different angle than you know, like uh, like Obama is a bad president or whatever. You know, like the Republicans kind of generically go after him for like. It does make me think that Obama might be like the most Manchurian candidate we've ever had. Like he's just so isolated and just so entrenched with corporate money that like it's like. He's just a total utter puppet. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Oh, like, I don't doubt that for a second. That 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 Chris Matthews thing kind of makes me feel that way. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, I like <laughs> that he's just like calling him out. Like he's just like, well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> you haven't really told us anything. It's just a bunch of talk. I mean, you haven't really done anything, and you're not saying what you're gonna do differently next term. Yeah, and this is a guy who's was one of his biggest water carriers in the 2008 election. What we were saying before about the federal footprint and this Occupy Wall Street police state repression that we're seeing, um, there's a lot of reason we have to believe this. We're going to link to an article right now that was just written uh, for Media Roots about this. Um, but I mean, Mayor Jean Kwan, the, the Oakland mayor, admitted that she was on conference call with multiple mayors nationwide to coordinate um, the crackdown and that they were advised by the federal government on Times, um, the press release. Uh, different things like that, when to raid. So there's definitely involvement at the federal level. This is not just coincidental that these raids are happening in the same brutal uh, way. So it's just really scary. And then you just see total silence coming from the Obama administration about it. No, no condemning these brutal acts, no protecting the First Amendment, no one coming out and saying, you know, we, we don't support this. Yet they go out and tout these pro-democratic movements in the Arab Spring and talk about how wonderful they are. And, yeah. And Twitter censors the hashtags here. OWS, Occupy Wall Street. They've censored them from being trending topics. So I guess it's okay for democracies to flourish abroad, but not in our own country. You know, it's censored here. And and what's really... Or revolution, I meant. Yeah, what's what's really great in in certain way, but it's, I mean, it's really tragic to watch, to watch these... Uh, here square protests get cracked down on so hard in the last week or so but it's it's good in the sense that it's the obama administration was probably hoping that once they you know strong-armed the regime there into stepping down that it would go away for a while or at least until like the next election or something but it came back like immediately mm -hmm. i mean it's just like boom they're occupying the square 10 protesters died in clashes with police i mean those people have balls of steel. I mean, yeah, those, that's do. that's that's the inspiration that we need here. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, I love what Glenn, when we just saw Glenn Greenwald speak a couple of weeks ago, he was said some. I mean, everything he said was ridiculously poignant and perfect. But he, you know, during the Q and A, you have those same 
questions. How, how do you keep going, Glenn? You know, what, what keeps you going? What keeps you fighting? What should we do? And he was just like, I'll tell you what keeps me fighting. He's like, seeing something like the Arab Spring, seeing what's going on in the Middle East in the last year, um, if those people who have less access to information, uh, to communication than us, um, barely any rights at all, completely totalitarian regime, brutal, if they can rise up and take over their fucking government and make them topple and create this huge uh, shockwave throughout the whole world, that is so fucking inspiring. He was just like, that is what gives me hope. If they can do it, we can do it. And and he was just saying, you know, the Occupy Wall Street thing, you might not agree with the premise, you might not agree with it because you don't think that they have a unified message or whatnot, but you have to admit that it's damn exciting to see people taking it to the streets and not just sitting at home watching reality television. I mean, they know that something's wrong. It's just organic. I mean, revolution is not pretty. It's not tidy. It's not perfect. Um, If this fucking Occupy Wall Street thing is not your quintessential revolution, then stop bitching and go out and start your own or try to affect it in some way that you want to go out and be engaged. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, to have constructive criticism about it, but to just outright dismiss it and, you know, and say that it's not, they're not doing it in the way that you like. So therefore it's, it's poor, you know, it's not something you want to be involved in. I mean, yeah, it's, it is a cop out. And, (laughs) you know, one thing I was thinking about the other day that is so, so interesting. So all these police state videos that we've been putting out, we've been covering Occupy Oakland since day one. And we've covered every single raid and the police assault on the crowd, peaceful protesters. But it's interesting to hear people's reactions. Um, you know, if if two people come out and like throw a bottle or throw something at the police, but there's thousands of people standing there, does that justify cops to use... Uh, draconian methods of crowd control and tear gas and use chemical agents against thousands of peaceful people who are doing nothing. No. Why is the media and, and in large part just this country accepted that that is somehow justified to use those methods of crowd control? That is totally unlawful. That is not okay. Um, think about the Penn State riots. These people were rioting. They turned over news vans. They were like animals running around the streets. Uh-huh. Where were the cops then? Yeah. Why was there no tear gas used on them? Yeah. Or, or another example is Black Friday. There's people, there's like 20 tents set up at certain Best Buys around the country, and, they're ha- and they're, they have been for the past week camping out for Black Friday. Are you joking? No, this happens every, I mean, it gets worse and worse every year, but oh I mean, they let I'm people so camp out. and engaged with that shit. They, they, they let people Christ. camp out in front of these stores. Just to get, buy shit, like cheap? Buy really cheap stuff. They actually have extremely good deals on these Black Fridays, but like, that's completely allowed. They don't, the riot police don't go in there and break up these encampments <laughs> That's because of people. they're feeding into the fucking system. Yeah, they're like, yeah, go buy shit. Or have you seen, do the riot police show up at Walmart when they open the doors for Black Friday when those people get trampled? <laughs> yeah, yeah, people, don't people die. die? People have died. <laughs> I mean, I nobody's mean, died so far dying, at these protests, Jesus. except for the, you know, or you could, you know, they tried to link that shooting in Oakland which shootings yeah, happen yeah. almost, you know, once every two days in Oakland to the Occupy movement, but nobody's died at a, one of these protests so far. And I mean, I don't know. It's, 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 it is such a funny um, hypocrisy when you compare the way the police react to the protests versus real dangerous things. 
I mean, I don't know, real dangerous, out of control crowd situations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and people are just like, here, Glenn Greenwald retweeted a bunch of responses that he got because he's been all over this. And people are just like, it's a pretty simple rule of thumb. You disobey cops, you get pepper sprayed. And Glenn was just like, wow. He's like, you'd be really happy living in North Korea. He's like, you are a fucking unquestioning servant to authority. Congratulations. I mean, but that's that's really what people think. Like, whoa, the kids didn't move. What a cop tells you to move and you don't. You get pepper sprayed. It's like, so if I tell my children who are watching cartoons to move and they don't, should I pepper spray them? It's like, what the hell is this logic? I mean, it's just unbelievable. I'm sure, I mean, if you haven't seen this thing watch it now we'll link to it on the timeline but the police lieutenant at uc davis just casually strolls by about 10 kids sitting down on the ground and just pepper sprays them at point blank range at their faces it's absolutely appalling i mean that's that's just what they feel justified in doing and the most shocking part is that he's surrounded by people with cameras and that doesn't even cross his mind like is this gonna look bad um is this the right thing to do he just does it it's unreal. <laughs> I wanted to change gears here for a second and uh, mention something that was has been on the news lately. A new New York City bomber, terror, so-called terrorist bomber, was uh, caught by the New York City Police Another Department. Another foiled threat? Another foiled nice. threat. But this time, the funny thing about it was uh, it almost seemed like um, Michael Bloomberg and, and Raymond Kelly, the w- really like New York, he seems like some sort of character out of like a hard boiled detective novel, like the police commissioner of New York. They both got up in a press conference and had this little box with wires in it. And they were like talking about how they caught a terrorist who was going to like bomb the police departments and all this stuff. And the FBI was just like, uh, it's not enough of a threat. Like we're not going to follow <laughs> up on it. And then, like, it was almost like, um, like, you know, one of the first times it was almost, I don't know, it was just funny to me that the FBI has created this climate where everybody's paranoid about terrorism, you know, and they want to become part of these big terrorism, you know, terrorism, you know, terrorist caught, you know, New York City stories. Yeah. They want to get all the press for it and the glory. And then like the FBI is just like, not important. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it on the front page and then just not do anything about it. That's yeah, what yeah. we like to do. And I know that you wanted to change gears, but I wanted to say one more thing about the the cops and the way that they've been using these methods of crowd control. In Oakland, uh, the Oakland police manual actually forbids police from deploying tear gas or flashbang grenades directly at crowds of protesters, regardless of what is happening on the street. So even if someone did throw a bottle directly at a cop, these cops are shielded with riot gear. They they all have shields. They're all, they all have masks. That's why they do. <laughs> so they don't have to just do, I mean, react in this way. They can take like a cone being thrown at them or something. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't need to do that. So secondly, even in wartime, it's a violation of international law to fire on unarmed medical personnel tending to the wounded, which is what we saw happen when people tried to come to Scott Olson's rescue and they directed flashbang grenades at the crowds of people helping him, which could be deadly. I mean, that's something exploding on you. So, you know, this is this is not we're not joking around here. This is uh, they are violating the law by doing this. Yeah. And. and and not just violating, oh, you know, it's against the Constitution because we, we have the right to peaceably assemble and they're taking that right away from us. But it's actually against like local police ordinances, the manuals that, they, that they're that yeah. they supposed to follow. Yeah. So it's like against their own internal <laughs> laws. So it's, Which is scary because it shows you that they're just like making it up as they go along. 
the the law just is malleable apparently or or even worse they're they have the word uh, you know the word from the top tells them not to listen to those manuals and to these are their new rules of engagement and the new rules of engagement say you can shoot a, a protester point blank in the face with a canister and it's okay or you could shoot a, uh, someone in the groin with a rubber bullet who's a journalist documenting the event yeah or you could block the airspace above uh, Zuccotti Park so that you helicopters can't see what's going on and the police weren't or when the police are destroying the encampment all those things are to me I mean even that is seems blatantly illegal to actually block the media from yeah the airspace yeah that is illegal it's it's pretty wild it's completely illegal at the last raid at occupy oakland it was like four in the morning we heard there was gonna be another raid so we went out there to document it and i'd say there's about like maybe 300 people there just peacefully hanging out drumming meditating doing little uh gymnastics and stuff in the street and a platoon of about 1,000 riot cops in a full army brigade just charged in and barricaded the entire perimeter of the plaza and mm-hmm. i felt like i was literally like at war i was like wow they sent in an army this is not right <laughs> yeah it was very very crazy <laughs> one I way mean, to put it yeah <laughs> i it mean it was an army and 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 what i found interesting about that night was the police didn't use any sort of violent force against the protesters but what they were doing was just a very large act of intimidation mm-hmm. and it worked yeah i mean people didn't stop them from from destroying the encampment i they, was scared shitless after it, seeing it my was, friend get shot with a rubber bullet for just filming them i was like fuck and that's exactly what yeah that's exactly the purpose it's it's like it's worth it to them to risk people's lives to send a chilling effect to everybody in the country that yeah. that if you go out there you could be shot with a rubber bullet, you know, and you could die. If you're shot in the temple with a rubber bullet, you could die. I don't know if you heard <laughs> about this other kid who was at Occupy Oakland. I forget his name right now, but I'll link to it um, once again. It's on this alternate article that talks about the 10 most egregious violations of, uh, you know, the First Amendment done by cops during the Occupy Wall Street. But he was just backing off from a line of riot cops. This is like maybe two in the morning, I think, during the first raid. Just backing off and... Um, kind of walking backwards as the riot cops were walking in front of him and then the riot cop was just like get out of my fucking way and he just I, you couldn't hear what he was saying back to him but cops are trained to not react to insults so it doesn't matter what you really say to cops they shouldn't just beat you <laughs> or throw shit at you and, and it, you know throw yeah. less than lethal things at your face and at your persons that could fucking kill you okay so basically this cop beat like beats the shit out of this guy he like chases this kid on the sidewalk and beats the shit out of him the guy filming is just like oh my god he's like what are you doing he like drops the camera and like helps this guy i didn't even know that this happened i heard that some kid got like assaulted and had to go to the hospital with a ruptured spleen but i had never seen the video before and it's pretty disturbing and this was in oakland as well yeah um we've gotten a couple of comments over the past month that uh you know sometimes our broadcasts come off as a little overly pessimistic and uh we don't provide enough solutions or remedies for people and i don't know maybe we should take the time to to th- you know to try to empower people and give them some advice on how to deal with these situations. Like when, when they're confronted with, if they're at a peaceful protest Mm -hmm. and riot police come, you know, instead of running away or, you know, I don't know. I mean, what? Yeah. Try to document their badge numbers. Every police 
men, it's the law, even though we know that they don't really follow the law, they should be uh, displaying their name and badge number. So that's the yeah. first thing. It's it's very important to immediately document what's going on if you see police coming ever. You're legally allowed to film a, a police on duty because they they are public figures. Yeah, they're it's, public servants. It's your right to film them. So film them, film their badge number, um, and just document what's going on so you can you know, firsthand capture any sort of uh, violations that they do. Yeah, we need to be documenting this constantly. And if you have, if you're with people who are, um, you know, uh, if you're with a group of people, and you're at one of these protests, I mean, stay together as a group, you know, and um, and you know, th- doing things like forming human chains or sitting down on the ground and refusing to leave. I mean, those are, you know, those are totally within your legal rights to do. And uh, you know, I mean, especially on public property, they are. Um, yeah, and and always, you know, try to bring a camera or a camera phone or something and have it have it recording. Encourage your friends that you're with to do the same thing. Yeah, and one great thing coming out of this movement is that we're not isolated anymore. Even if you don't agree with the general or overall premise of the Occupy Wall Street movement, at least reach out to those who are being citizen journalists and you know taking a stand in these local communities against the police state repression and reach out to them because you know use social networking as a tool uh twitter is a great activist tool that you can use to see minute by minute updates of what's happening um you can directly reach out to people gather information link up so that these are all just great positive things that are coming with this movement that you can really take advantage of yeah and um yeah, we, I'd like to mention a, a few people who have been doing really good work, uh, you know, recently. Um, Luke Radowski out of New York um, has been doing, you know, part of the Occupy Wall Street movement since the beginning. And he just put out a really good video, um, you know, that, that that kind of acts. I don't know if it was David Icke who put it out, which would be, you know, which would be a surprise. But it, it could be his video. But basically the video just the messages that, you know, don't go into these movements trying to force your own specific agenda down people's throats. Try to have like an open dialogue with people and just and just see what it's like for yourself. And that's, you know, one of the most powerful things about it is there's so many different people who are directing their rage towards the same the same basic group, which is the ultra rich and, you know, the government who's enabling them and just everybody had you know most people have that in common with each other we can get past these barriers of partisanship and yeah you know like we mentioned on the broadcast when we did the general strike we did a live broadcast during the the strike in oakland on november 2nd but we were talking about the tea party and how it's kind of the yin and yang the occupy wall street's like the sister movement of the tea party because we're really both movements were against tyranny or big you know the Tea Party movement was against big government, were against corporate fascism or the corporate takeover of the government. And both are pretty intertwined. It's it's one beast that we're looking at. And that's just two facets of it. The government's getting bigger because it's just getting more fattened with like corporate corruption and corporate money, you know? More agencies are being created um, and just getting flooded with this this uh dirty money so it's just it's all linked together it really is there's another journalist um out of oakland uh who goes under the name oak fo show <laughs> and i think that's spelled o a k f o 
S H O. Yeah. And if you go to his Ustream account, um, Ustream, I think, do- either donated a, a computer to him or mm-hmm. they, they feature his stream on their front page whenever there's activity happening in Oakland. Like, they'll be, his stream will be the front mm-hmm. page stream. But if you go directly to his channel, whenever there's activity happening in Oakland, this guy has been down there almost the whole time, every mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. it's extremely impressive. I mean, the guy's. <laughs> the guy's stamina. I mean, we, Abby and I even got tired at the last, you know, one of the last uh, things. And we came home and just ended up watching his stream for like the, yeah, la- yeah, yeah. the last two hours. And we we're just like, this guy's awesome. Yeah. Russia Today, Lucy Kavanov uh, has been doing an excellent job. She fl- she's been flying all across the country covering everything. Second something happens somewhere, she's on the scene. Um, and she's been doing great coverage as well. So those three people definitely get get on their Twitter handles and get on top of their work because they're doing some great work. We wanted to, to point out two uh, we wanted to point out two things about the movement. Um, we've been seeing a lot of people with signs that just say tax the rich. And we really wanted to make just differentiate what the rich means. Um, it doesn't mean people making a million dollars a year, even people who like movie stars who make like twenty million dollars a movie. Um, that's not the rich. Um, the rich is the people who are the point zero zero one percent of this country. It's not just the the one percent. The one percent could just mean someone making like maybe five million, ten million, twenty million dollars a year. If you look at those people's salaries, half of their income immediately goes to taxes. I mean, straight up. Yeah. We're talking about the people who don't pay fucking taxes, that those same tiered tax systems don't apply to them. People like Bill Gates, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, Michael Bloomberg, and corporations like Citibank, Exxon, Chevron, BP. Yeah. Those, I think that, and I think people, you know, we need to differentiate between what that means because I think a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and who, um, you know, like our dad. I don't they're turned off by that and I think that it's important to discern what that means. Well, yeah. And and it it, it acts as a way to divide, you know, uh, into two camps again. It's another one of those things that that splits, you know, splits up the numbers when we can have all those people on our side because even people who work for the financial sector or people who work in the federal government or whatever, those people, you know, aren't necessarily the super rich, you know, you know, and and the people, I don't know, it's it's those people that we need to get on our side. Everybody can identify with the idea that there is there is a, a class of ultra-rich people in this country and in this world who use our financial system and who use us as an engine for their own financial gain. And, and they're turning our country into a banana republic. I yeah, mean, and here we are just because, fighting each other. And some people are yeah. like, oh, tax the rich, eat the rich, make them pay. And you're like, that's not, we need to really have a realistic debate about who these people are. Yeah, it's it's people like, and and this is another thing that I, and, and you know, maybe it comes down to, again, the the desire to, to keep partisanship away from the movement. Um, but like Mayor Bloomberg got, so much less heat than Jean Kwan. I mean, Jean Kwan, yeah, she deserved to be recalled. She deserved all the heat she got. But Bloomberg, I mean, the guy is a billionaire. Yeah, he's the he tenth is, richest person both. in the country. Not only is he someone who has, uh, who has um, ordered this police brutality against peaceful protesters, you know, for months on end. Um, he's 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 you know ordered the airspace closed. Not only has he done that thing, he's also a billionaire who somehow electioneered and bought a third term as mayor. 
the first time ever in New York he bought a third term. Yeah. I mean, people forget that. Yeah. That this guy is a is a mini dictator. He's yeah. he's basically you know, and, and even I, I, I wanna take Ralph Nader to task just a little bit because he even he was saying something like, you know, Bloomberg should run as an independent to to split up the, the, the you know, the results of the next election. And I I mean I think he would just be just as bad as someone like Obama. Yeah, what? I mean Michael I, Bloomberg. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand it. But there is there does seem to be a lot of love and out there still for Bloomberg and hesitancy to go after him for who he is. He is he to me is one of the biggest targets that this movement should be going after right now. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that New York did which was really great, you know, and this is another thing that you can do is be creative with this Occupy Wall Street movement. Um a lot of the people in New York City did an Occupy Building 7 event where thousands of people went to try to occupy Building 7. So these are different facets and offshoots that you can get involved with um, that still play onto the whole theme but are doing more direct action um, toward targeted things like Building 7 or Larry Silverstein or people like that. So I think that that's a really great step to try to branch off while still encompassing the, the general feeling. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the perfect way to inject your own agenda or your own point of view into the movement is to start your own Occupy event. You know, do it yourself. Like Abby and I are, you know, we're venting. We've been venting for the past few weeks about why hasn't anybody been occupying the Obama headquarters. But, you know, somehow we need to be able to, you know, we need to figure out a way to organize that, that ourselves. And that's yeah. what other people need to do as well. If you're frustrated about the, a lack of some sort of movement, within the Occupy movement, try to, to the best of your abilities, do it on your own or get people within your own circle of friends or your social circles to join you. Yeah, there's proposals that you can uh, initiate either online or at the general assemblies. It's a very horizontal structure. Everyone has a chance to speak. So if you want to introduce an idea, do it and film it. Film it because if you get shot down, then that's also important. So it's, it's important to start attempting these different things and injecting certain ideas and philosophies and, and really documenting what comes out of it. So I think that that's really important. One one other quick thing, a, a correction that I wanted to make. The last video that I put out showing um, the insane war in the streets uh, after the general strike, it was the night of November 2nd when we went out there and the so-called Black Bloc which is a group called the Oakland Liberation Front. Uh, you see people using black bloc tactics all over the country, all over the world. Uh, people come out and instigate violence and start smashing shit, lighting things on fire, whenever there's a peaceful rally of thousands of people. Um, and then it, of course, justifies some sort of insane crackdown by the cops. And that's exactly what we saw happen on the night of the strike. During the day, there was a group of about 10 people running around in black outfits with black bandanas holding black flags that were just smashing banks, smashing Whole Foods, running around, total pussies, um, ran away when they actually got confronted by someone who was like a real gangster from East Oakland telling them to stop. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you see these people who are totally fucking pussies. They won't ever do anything un- unless it's something like that where they can just run away, smash shit and run away. And they were handing out flyers that said... 
you hold the cock of the empire in your hand if you are peaceful like if you don't stand in our way we won't stand in your way we're like we're we're determined to fucking take this empire down like by force yeah and what i like about them is they act so tough and they, and they put out these really tough flyers but i mean yeah they're the ultimate cowards they hide their face um, somebody is buying them clothes. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying outright that these Open Liberation <laughs> Front people or the the Black Bloc tactics imitators are funded by the cops, but I think someone is funding them to disrupt these protests because they wear brand new, unworn Doc Martens where you can see the bright yellow laces from like 20 feet away. I mean, these people have good money. They are not the so-called anarchist uh, squatters of the past that people try to paint them as. The, I mean, the, you know, real, the real anarchists I know are like extremely resourceful people who, you know, don't bu- go out and buy brand new outfits with black yeah. hoodies and brand new bandanas that are like yeah. unfolded. I mean, the, <laughs> like that's, you, you just the don't crease, see like that. They just like bought them. Yeah. Like a fucking like yeah, <laughs> REI. <laughs> and, and I, you know, and it always reminds me of that video that happened in Montreal. I think it was like Quebec Maybe it was a G20 conference. And this old man is like, you, stop. And he like, this old guy, the protester in the audience, grabs a a protester's wrist who's holding a rock in his hand. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, stop it. What are you doing? And the protester's like, oh, you know, I'm going to throw it or whatever. It's like, I think it's all in French. I don't remember the exact (laughs) dialogue that happened. But then uh, the cop, or something happens, some sort of skirmish between the old man and the protester. And then the cops actually grab the guy with the rock and bring him in and then kind of almost like, as a show, take him down to the ground, but they do it in kind of a calm way. You know, they don't do it like they would a normal citizen. And as the guy is being thrown to the ground, you see the soles of his shoes, and they're the exact same brand of shoes and like all the cops unworn that all the same riot cops were wearing that day. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yep. You know that this is happening. Um, whether or not the cops are actually hiring these people outright or they're just letting them do this so that they could justify their methods of crowd control later, we don't know. But I, Yeah, I think the second thing you said is... is extremely likely yeah but i mean same like the no plane people nico hopped uh he said that he was getting funded by someone i mean who knows you know i i don't doubt that this black block uh group of people in different cities are being funded by certain people and they might not even know it yeah they might not even know that they're being like co-opted by the cops or by the government they're just being used they're be yeah and, it, and even if they aren't being funded does it really matter because their no. end result and their end goal is all clearly the same? It should just be disruptors and to inject their own agenda. Just like, you know, someone running in there, you know, trying to spread whatever agenda they wanted to in like a very rude way. They're injecting their own agenda and then, you know, in a very impolite, you know, that's the most kind way to describe it, way that is not along the same wavelength as almost any of the other protesters. And then, of course... And then they run away. They scurry away like yeah, roaches. They run away. When the cameras come. They run away. And, of course, the whole... All the corporate media is just like, look, Oakland got violent. Like, just like we expected, the riffraff came out and got... and fucked up the city. And you're like, well, no, it was just 10 people that the cops didn't arrest. Yeah. and Very obvious who these people were. The cops chose not to target them and arrest them. And, and I'm not completely anti... Uh, retaliatory force being used against the police. I mean, I'm not encouraging people to throw things at the police, but if they're throwing tear gas at you and they're throwing things at you and it's at that level, I mean, throw it back. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't see... There's nothing morally wrong with that because you're being physically attacked and assaulted. Yeah. But I mean, when you're at a peaceful bank sit-in and there's people sitting cross-legged chanting at a drum circle in front of the Wells Fargo... <laughs> 
Don't run up there with a hammer and just start smashing the Wells Fargo sign <laughs> in front of everybody. Don't do that. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Asshole. And if you do that, expect to get punched in the face yeah, and I'm knocked gonna, on the ground. My brother and I are saying that we are going to completely go after the black block people next time that there's that, that we see them. We're yeah. going to totally fucking There's cameras going to be in your face. Yeah. Everybody out there who's going to be doing it, you better hide your face real yeah. good. We're going to expose your asses. Keep trying. Um, but we're going to we're going to be there. Uh and yeah, in the G20, I don't know if this is actually the G8 or the G20. I think it was like in Seattle or something. But when the the Black Bloc people were running around and they actually lit a cop car on fire and it showed police just standing there and doing nothing. And they were just like watching their cop car burn. And this one guy was like running around filming the Black Bloc. And he was like, why aren't cops arresting these people? He was like following them for like 20 blocks with a camera. And he was just like, this is so crazy that they're just allowed to do this. To like protect they just, and serve. To protect and serve. And uh, and I did want to make one correction. I, I generalized the black bloc as anarchists, which was totally wrong. It was just my guttural reaction. Uh, right when I got home, I put up the video. I was really tired, and I was just like, you know, that's what they were claiming that they were. They were self-proclaimed anarchists uh, who were doing these black bloc tactics. But anarchism is philosophically and fundamentally peaceful. Um, so I didn't mean to generalize anyone as anarchists. I know that anarchism is actually a really intriguing uh, philosophy. So, Yeah, for any of our anarchist friends listening out there, um, we apologize for that error. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, you know, help us, you know, call out these people who are just completely going against the the mindset out there. I wanted to talk about something that's totally not on the Occupy Wall Street topic, if that's okay. There's a, I wanted to talk about self-immolation really quick. You know, in the 60s, uh, these images of monks self-immolating were, like, viral, and they really helped create widespread fervor against the war and really helped pick up steam for the anti-war movement when we saw these images of monks being burned alive in protest, just sitting there meditating. Um, this shit's still going on. <laughs> we just don't hear about it. Um, there was just a man who self-immolated. Well, this might be why, because it happened in China. Of course, the Chinese government totally controls the media, blacked out the story immediately. But as I was reading about this story, there's a man named um, Mr. Wang. Uh, I don't know his first name. That's just his surname. But yeah, he, he self-immolated in protest um, in Tiananmen Square, completely wiped from the public record in an Orwellian fashion. Um, but yeah, the, this this also happened, If I don't know if people remember this, but I remember it very well. It happened in 2004. Um, a man named Malaki Richner publicly burned himself to death in protest of the Iraq War. And I remember this happening... Um, and I heard about it literally only one day. And I barely heard about it on the alternative press, too. And the guy's statement before he did it is one of the most powerful and eloquent statements I've ever heard. It is so amazing, like, what this man wrote and how smart he was. And, like, I remember his family, the, the one report that I did read about his family was just like, this is so shocking. You know, this, he was so intelligent, so educated. He was such a good person, good Samaritan really dedicated activists uh, were really shocked that he did this but his whole message just said like I would rather die than to pay taxes to kill other people in Iraq that did nothing to us and the media just painted him as a totally lone psychotic individual 
who just did this and they didn't and they just said like they almost painted him as like a homeless like degenerate who just like self-immolated and then like that's it oh we got another fucking crazy guy just burn himself to death moving on it's just funny like how things have changed i mean here's this guy committing the most bold act of protest that you could possibly do the most painful death ever (laughs) to make a statement and it's not even heard because it was totally fucking censored and uh I just Crazy. while Abby was talking about that, I found a Fox News article covering the story, <laughs> and here's how the uh, here's how the article starts. Quote: A man set himself a fire Monday just outside a White House gate and repeatedly yelled "Allah, Allah!" What? after Secret Service officers put out the flames. Wait, what? Are you joking? <laughs> That's what they said. That's the top paragraph in the article. Allah, Allah! Yeah. Wow. So he basically, Fox News is saying he was a Muslim suicide uh, firebomber, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, that's so crazy. I'm going to link right now to his, you can, someone actually read his his statement on YouTube. It's like a 10 minute long statement. It's beautiful. And I'm going to link to that right now. You guys should should check that out. But yeah, this Fox News article is a perfect example of how, how is, you know, how he was painted basically in the corporate press. Great job, guys. Oh, really quickly, uh, Pentagon successfully tests hypersonic flying bomb. The Pentagon last Thursday held a successful test flight of a flying bomb that travels faster than the speed of sound and will give military planners the ability to strike targets anywhere in the world in less than an hour. That's a technology that we have, at least on public record right now. Hypersonic flying bomb that can reach anywhere in the world in one hour. Have fun sleeping at night with that one. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't, you know, we're just, we have great optimism and hope. I mean, being out on the strike, uh, seeing how this this community just galvanized after Scott Olson was so brutally assaulted by the cops, that gave me so much hope and inspiration to see, to be walking and to be marching and chanting all day with 20,000 plus people in my community of all walks all ages, all colors, just a completely diverse uh, group of people who were fed up and who were out taking it to the streets. And I really felt so much hope that, you know, if there was some sort of martial law, um, that we would not take it laying down, that our generation would step the fuck up. And that, I mean, that should give inspiration and optimism to everyone. It's a beautiful thing. So I just heard today that the UC Davis uh was it the UC Davis police chief was like fired or he was, he was put lieutenant. on put on leave um but i wonder if the actual guy who got, who pepper sprayed those people in the face was has been identified yet yeah no he has let's let's find it and mention his name on our broadcast if we can here i have it right here oh it was John yeah. Pike. Yeah. It's it's the lieutenant of police. So yeah. let's let's try to find a picture of John Pike. We'll put up Davis. his we'll put up his contact information as well. I have his his personal office number. Um we also have his salary. He makes $110,000 uh annually. We don't know if he makes bonuses. Yeah, that's another funny story that just came out Fannie Mae Freddie Mac they swiped like $20 million off the bailout and pocketed it. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't. But uh, w- w- which company is this? Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. They just we just found out that they like took even more like millions of dollars in bonuses right after the whole bailout thing happened. 
No, but um, <laughs> what's really funny is that, uh, y- you know, Newt Gingrich is now taking the top tier in the election, like that so-called the top tier, which is like total bullshit anyways. But like now that Herman Cain has been slandered with this these sexual harassment claims, uh, Newt Gingrich, it just got revealed that Newt Gingrich made over $1.5 million as a consultant for Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. Oh, God. Like, because he's not an elected o- of office anymore he's just like a private citizen or whatever so he's been working as a lobbyist this whole time and like a pr spokesman great and uh he claims he was a historian for they hired him as a historian and he gave them the advice that their mortgage plans were insane and they were going to implode yeah (laughs) yeah he was just sitting back kind of advising them hey you know i'm going to take millions of dollars from you but i'm just going to let you know you guys are doing illegal things Uh, i'm just going to step back and give you some advice not i'm not you know (laughs) i'm not a lobbyist for you or anything jack jake tapper uh is an abc White House correspondent. Um, I did not know about this man until I saw a, an amazing video of him totally interrogating. Have you looked up his the press secretary? Have you looked up his history as a as a reporter? I haven't looked up like a lot of the things that he's done. But you said that he was one of the first reporters to actually question the Iraq WMD. Apparently, thing. yeah, he was. He was one of the first reporters to actually question about WMDs being false during like a press conference. It's, and he's worked for Salon, I guess, yeah. for over. He used to work yeah. for Salon when he did that, and now he's like ABC News. So it's like somehow the only ABC like mainstream reporter who's asking hard questions. Yeah, I mean, we saw what happened to Helen Thomas after she asked some hard questions, even though she was kind of looked up looked at as like some miserly old Jewish lady who was kind of a pain in the ass. And Bush was like, "Okay, Helen, I'll give you a question." Smirk, smirk. So it is. I guess it's just so shocking to me that this guy Jake Tapper is like allowed into the White House uh, press corps and allowed to just like, I don't know, that he's actually called on and asks very valid uh, questions that every single member of the press should be asking. And that's why it's so it, it's so gratifying to see a member of the White House press corps doing their job. <laughs> it should not be this much of an anomaly, but when you see it happen, it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, I wonder if that, I, I always wonder if a guy like that has friends up in high places over there, if he's seen as like the class clown or something, like by the, you could just see the look on the faces of the other reporters, they're just kind of sitting there like. Yeah, yeah, they're like. like They don't say anything. Like yeah. None of them even join in on his yeah. questioning. I mean, I mean, that's their opportunity to jump in and be like, yeah, Jake's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> give us some, I mean, you guys are just sitting there not doing your job and this guy is like putting his career on the line like constantly. It's just. Yeah. I, I mean, God. Here, we're going to play this <laughs> clip because he's asking about Al Alwaki's assassination and how now that he's, you know, he's dead, is there going to be any evidence to show that he was involved in terrorist activity? And, you know, it's just some, an amazing reaction from um from press secretary Jay Carney. We're going to play that clip right now. You said that um Alwaki was demonstrably and provably involved in operations. Do you plan on demonstrating? I, you know, I should step back. I, he is clearly, I mean, provably maybe a legal term. I, I, I think it has been well established, and it has certainly been the position of this administration and the previous administration, uh, that he is uh, a leader in, uh, was a leader in AQAP, that AQAP was uh, a, a definite threat, was operational, planned, and carried out uh, terrorist attacks that uh, fortunately did not succeed. Uh, but were extremely serious, including the ones specifically that I mentioned in terms of the uh, 
uh, would-be Christmas Day bombing in 2009 and the uh, attempt to bomb uh, numerous cargo planes headed for the United States. And uh, he was obviously also a, an active recruiter of al-Qaeda uh, terrorists. So uh, I, I don't think anybody in the field would dispute any of those assertions. You don't think anybody else in the government I think any, I, I, I wouldn't know of any credible terrorist expert who would dispute the fact that he was a leader in al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula and that he was uh, operationally involved in terrorist attacks against uh, American interests and citizens. Do you plan on bringing before the public any proof of these I, charges? Again, this is, the question is, makes us, you know, it has been embedded within it uh, assumptions about the circumstances of his death that I'm just not going to address. How on earth does it happen? What is it? I don't, I really don't understand. How do, he's dead. You, 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 you're, you are asserting that he had operational mm -hmm. uh, control of the cargo uh, plot and the Abdul Muttalib plot. Mm -hmm. He's now dead. Mm -hmm. Can you show us or the American people or has a judge been shown? Uh, well, again, Jake, I'm just, uh, I, I'm not going to go any further than what I've said about, uh, about the circumstances of his death and uh, the case against them, which, again, you're linking. And, and uh, I think that... You, you said that he was responsible for these things. I'm, yes, but again... Is there going to be any evidence presented? Uh, you know, I don't have anything for you on that. Not see at all. Does the administration not see at all how a president asserting that he has the right to kill an American citizen without due process, and that he's not going to even explain why he thinks he has that right, is troublesome to some people? I wasn't aware of any of those things that you said actually happening. And, and, and again, I'm not going to address the circumstances of Alaki's death. I think it's, again, it is an important fact that this terrorist who is actively plotting, uh, had plotted in the past and is actively plotting to attack uh, Americans and American interests, uh, is dead. But I'm not going to, from any angle, discuss the circumstances uh, of his death. You know that the Center for Constitutional Rights and the ACLU tried to get permission to represent Alaki. His father had, had asked them to do that, uh, but they needed to get permission from the Treasury Department and so that they could challenge his being on this targeted killing list. And the administration, the Obama administration, refused to let them represent him. To not even he did, he couldn't even have the ACLU representing him. That well, I, I would send those questions or take you those questions to Treasury or, or Justice. I don't, I don't have anything on that for you. What do you think constitutional law professor Barack Obama would think of this? I think he spoke about it today. I love that clip. <laughs> I've watched it so many times because it's just like so enjoyable <laughs> to see someone doing that. And I love it. And I love the backpedaling of Jay Carney going, well, um, you know, it just reminds me of uh, Ari F Fleischer or whatever the hell that guy's name was during the during Bush's term. You know how Bush had like five different press secretaries that couldn't take the heat. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, it's just amazing to see the backpedaling from this man. Do you remember when he when they the one of the best switchovers of press secretary they did was uh, Tony Snow. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, the Fox, Fox News, News reporter baby. who just boom, just boom. Got, you're got like, the wait, job. I recognize you. Oh, you're a fucking Fox News reporter. Why are you in the White House? 
WTF? <laughs> oh, and then the opposite <laughs> happened is that like Dana Perino, the last one they use, is now like a Fox News commentator. So yeah, we wanted to play this other clip that is so outrageous. It's like the perfect example of how the media is just repeaters. People think it, you know, people might find it really hard to believe that all of these even local news organizations or news agencies um, just are fed press releases and just read them on air. Like there's literally no reporting or even original stories um, being reported on. And a perfect example of this, it might be a PR stunt, we don't really know, but even if it was, it's still pretty shocking um, to see just a press release being fed to so many different news agencies and them just reading it blindly. Uh, Conan O'Brien... Maybe about to push the envelope on late night television. <laughs> <laughs> no, Conan O'Brien. Um, I don't know if he already did this, but he he it was going to be the first person on cable TV to officiate a same-sex marriage on his show, and he has a clip where he shows how every single news organization or news agency, local and national, reported on this story, and we're going to play that right now. Talk show host Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be able to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on his late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night TV. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope once again on late night TV. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien is looking to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night TV. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien Brian may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be about to push the envelope on late night television. Conan O'Brien may be preparing to push the late night envelope. Yeah, yeah that was, uh, that was, it started kind of funny and then it just got ultra creepy towards the end because the, the wording was just straight off a teleprompter. Yeah. I mean, who... Where did that come from? Where does that come from? Is it like an AP wired story? I mean, I, I don't get it. Yeah. Kind of like maybe about to push the envelope. Like, I, the, after the fifth one, yeah, I, I was just like laughing nervously. And then after like the 25th one, you're like, holy shit. This is really <laughs> scary. I got chills like down my body. I was like, this is really, really, really <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> I felt like I was in the Matrix, like, and there's like some sort of glitch that like let you see like real time. <laughs> Everyone just repeating the same thing from like one main source, <laughs> like the movie They Live, that main satellite feed. <laughs> I just watched that movie; it's so good. It is what you were seeing. I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out you of. You just bubble watched gum. that movie when? I just watched on Netflix. I I canceled my Netflix subscription when? because I was opposed to the fee increase, and then I just like was stoned the other night and just like. <laughs> I just like was so wanting to watch like Rocco's Modern Life. I saw that they put it on DVD. And I was like, yes, Rocco's Modern Life is on DVD. Finally. I was so excited because I've been looking for it ever since it went off the air. And I really liked it when I was a little kid. And then I just saw They Live. I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch They Live. And you watched like, the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. That fight scene is just like painfully long though. Yeah. It's like a 15 minute fight scene between the wrestler guy. And the I like how anti-government the movie is. Like even apart from the 
the whole like alien takeover thing like they just keep showing them like bulldozing over like the little like shanty towns yeah and it it's shows just like about like, <laughs> like these people who live in like an empty lot it's like very like like uh like war on poverty like it's totally it's great and john carpenter's movies used to always have kind of a not always but they some of them have a really good undercurrent of like anti-government stuff going through them like uh even his in this one with Chevy Chase Memoirs Invisible Man it's about like a CIA agent who's just like out to like use the Invisible Man as some sort of like assassin or something that's awesome yeah I love it yeah I love I love They Live because it's even though it's so uh, ghetto like there's really special effects are pretty shitty but it's just it's still so relevant and it's like actually really scary this guy if, if anyone hasn't seen this movie you definitely should it's where the obey that whole slogan that Shepard Fairey stole comes from really is this movie they live. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's this guy who finds these glasses and puts them on and then he can see the reality of what's happening, like the brainwashing and conditioning in society. And every billboard just says like marry and procreate, consume, consume, obey, (laughs) like everything, like every magazine is just like filled with just words conditioning you. It's just really, really good. Great movie. Um, I wanted to diverge off course why do you want to keep talking about they live <laughs> <laughs> because I just got this new book by Glenn Greenwald uh, <laughs> Glenn we've mentioned Greenwald him is this is the Glenn Greenwald infomercial yeah. <laughs> hour today <laughs> we love Glenn Greenwald uh, this book is called with liberty and justice for some and it, the subtitle of the book is how the law is used to destroy equality and protect the powerful and we mentioned it the last episode but there was just some really great sections from the book that I wanted to read really quick that people may not remember um from about the middle of the Obama administration in November 2009 a court in Italy found 22 CIA agents guilty of the 2003 kidnapping of an Islamic cleric Hassan Mustafa Osama Nasser off the streets of Milan after the kidnapping the agent had rendered Nasser to Egypt to be tortured And then the book goes on to say, obviously, Italy has a legitimate interest in not permitting its residents to be abducted off its streets and sent off to be tortured. Imagine the uproar if a foreign nation did the same to an American citizen on U.S. soil. But as soon as the Italian court announced the verdict, the Obama administration empathetically denounced it. We are disappointed by the verdicts against the Americans and Italians charged in Milan for their alleged involvement in the case involving Egyptian cleric blah, blah, blah. State Department spokesman Ian Kelly said, according to Reuters, despite the findings of criminal guilt, the administration has actively protected these CIA agents from any extradition attempts by the Italian authorities. So essentially, uh, 23 CIA agents were found guilty of kidnapping in Italy, and Italy asked for the CIA agents to be extradited to their country, and the U.S. refused. So you know how the U.S. talks about things like, oh, um, you know, Venezuela and Cuba have no extradition treaties to the U.S. Well, apparently the U.S. has no extradition treaty when their citizens are found guilty of torture and kidnapping. Uh, and then another th- another thing that happened later was in 2008, um, a guy who was held in Guantanamo Bay filed a petition with a British court asking for his lawyers to be provided with vital documents in the, pos- in the possession of British intelligence agencies specifically notes taken by British agents during discussions with CIA agents. A British high court ruled in his favor, basically, to get this evidence. Then what happened was, in response to that, the Obama administration issued a threat that if the British court disclosed the facts of Muhammad's torture, 
U.S. intelligence agencies would no longer pass on to Britain any information about terrorist plots aimed at British citizens. Now, that sounds like something that Bush would have done during his presidency, but that's Obama, who threatened Britain to withhold any information that could be of interest to their national security if they disclose information in a single case involving a single man. And then on top of this, too, one more thing I want to mention was they also... Nothing ever came of those all those interrogation videotapes that were destroyed um, that the CIA made at Guantanamo Bay. So, you know that tape that Nixon supposedly erased that was a huge deal that was on all, you know, during the Watergate scandal, they made a huge deal about it because he clearly destroyed evidence to protect himself, even though he was still charged. But the CIA destroyed over 150 interrogation videos. That's 100... That's... I mean, imagine how long each one of those videotapes are because it shows them torturing innocent people, basically. And they destroyed that evidence. And nothing ever came of it. No one was ever charged with obstructing evidence. Nothing. The Obama administration let them go completely. So that's just some great examples that are in this book. So everybody, everybody this get book this book. should be a handbook for everyone <laughs> in Occupy Wall Street and everyone in the country, essentially, because it shows you the plight. It gets to the heart of what the plight really is. It's the two-tiered justice system that exists. One exists for us, the average people in this country, the 99 percenters, I guess you could say. Um, the other exists for these billionaires. And the people who are the heads of the, these corporations who are raping and pillaging at the expense of all of us in the third world. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the two-tiered justice system. And Glenn Greenwald said something beautiful during his speech. He was just like, why do you think that we dress people, not we, but the federal government dresses people up in orange jumpsuits and puts them on an island and lets people see it? Why do you think that they strip Bradley Man- Manning naked every night in a cell in solitary confinement with no trial? Why do you think that? He was like, because the, the elite want you to know that they live in an utter state of lawlessness, because that's what instills fear. And I was just like, yes, like that's so true. It's so true. They're totally unabashed about their lawlessness. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Dick They're Cheney. They're proud of it. Yeah. Dick Cheney is extremely proud of it. Yeah. Dick Cheney's just parading around the country, talking about it. And did you see Carl Rove get mic checked? Oh, I love that. It was yeah. hilarious. He was like, what gives you the right to, to come in here and da, da, da. It's like, well, the Constitution... Or he's like, what gives you the right to occupy? <laughs> Keith Olbermann was like, the Constitution does. He's like, you should read it. It has some good stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I also love how when when Carl Rove starts shouting them down, the audience like cheers oh, for I him. Know. And it's like, idiots. who in their right mind would cheer for Carl who Rove? Who go see Carl Rove and like pay to A see person him that who's, wouldn't? lied to everyone i mean he's lied to you too like i I don't understand like are you just gleefully excited that you're that this man who propagandized you for eight years is is there talking you paid to see him baby-faced lackey it is really shocking gerbils wannabe like why the (laughs) fuck would you even give this guy your money um there was this woman who is so inspiring um she was on the keith olbermann show she was also pepper sprayed she was an 84 year old lady 
Um, and she just got off her bus. She takes public transportation. She got off her bus and joined a little uh, Occupy Seattle protest. She heard all these police helicopters around, and she was like, I'm going to go stand with my friends and um, see what's going on. And she said immediately, like, she was surrounded by policemen on bicycles and all these cop cars, and all of a sudden, like, they started closing in on the protesters and just pepper sprayed everyone. If you see the photos, I mean, there's pepper spray lines. It looks like fire hoses. I didn't even realize that they could reach as far as they do. Um, and so she got terribly pepper sprayed. Her name's Dorley Rainey. And she was on Keith Olbermann. We'll link to this right now. But she just gives a really touching, inspirational message and talks about how she grew up in Germany and saw similar tactics being used by the German government that are happening here. She said she survived uh, the Holocaust and, and remembers how Goebbels propagandized everyone saying that the, they were winning the war and... Um, you know, it's it's amazing that the war went on so long that they were doing so well. <laughs> but it's just crazy to hear her kind of uh, mirror this movement. Um, and just to like pre-World War II, pre-Nazi era. And you, you have to remember that everything Hitler did was in accordance with the law at the time. <laughs> Boom. But Dory says uh, one thing that her mentor or some other activist that she has looked up to for a long time, um, she said that one thing that she has always told herself, she was like, yeah, I could sit there and retire and eat bonbons and watch reality TV. And she's like, but someone's got to be out here telling people what is really going on. And she's like, and what my mentor always told me is take one step out of your comfort zone, whatever you're comfortable with, take one step out of that and keep fighting and keep pushing and I was just like, man, like she, I was, I was seriously like crying watching her because it was so powerful to hear this woman be so, just so strong and has lived through so much and has seen history repeat over and over again. And she's still fighting and still on the streets. And I was just like, I want to be like her when I'm 84. And it was just really inspiring. Um, but everyone, we encourage everyone get out there in your community go get engaged with your local movements uh start introducing new ideas new juice into the into the general assemblies um start getting active start becoming citizen journalists go out there and document these these uh police violations link up with other citizen journalists around the country um we're no longer isolated in this fight we have social networking tools that can link us together and we have a huge community worldwide and we really need to to jump up on that yeah and if you you know, I was very reluctant to actually start using Twitter. I I very turned off by it in a lot of ways. But as a as a, just a pure purely activism tool to track what's going on in the Occupy Wall Street movement and all the different cities around the country, I mean, just type in hashtag OWS or hashtag Occupy Oakland, one word, in the search engine, and you'll just get you know a hundred new tweets every every five minutes on there, and like. When we were in Oakland um, and we had just gone to the general strike, we came home and on Twitter, it was just like riot cops, like, yeah, you know, 20 blocks away on Twitter, just like riot cops, like 15 blocks away. I mean, that is amazing that yeah. you're that we're able to do that. I mean, imagine the dem democratic power that that gives people. I didn't really wasn't really able to put all the pieces in place when I would hear about Twitter being this tool for the protests in Iran and Egypt. But now it makes complete mm -hmm. sense. I mean, mm -hmm. if you have a cell phone and you have a Twitter feed on it, you, it's almost like an unstoppable 
flash mob of people that are just con- continually can be in communication with each other. I mean, they'd have to shut down the internet, which is what they do. And once again, it's our job to make the corporate media irrelevant. This is a perfect way to do it. Yeah, Twitter's you know controlled and they're censoring certain hashtags and stuff that they've admitted to, and I don't doubt that they're corrupted in some way, but this is our most direct form of communication that we have right now, and it's amazing, and we need to take advantage of that while we still can. So... Thank you so much for listening to our broadcast today, everyone. Um, Viva la revolución. Everyone have a wonderful week, weekend, whenever you're listening to this, and keep kicking ass. Thanks for listening to Media Roots Radio. And, uh, you know, give all your support to your local Occupy. Occupy Oakland, Occupy Berkeley is what's happening out here. Occupy SF. So, um, you know, if you live out here, go show your support. 